Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. The Around the NFL Podcast. No floating trash bags this week. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it is around the NFL, the flagship program, the playoff edition, the first of four of these bad boys. This one being, well, that's not even right because we're going to have a double recap. We got that's right. four games to dissect today, two more tomorrow night, and that just get warmed up before division round. Championship Sunday, and then of course the Super Bowl from Vegas, where we'll be, and and the playoff weekend that we just enjoyed, three blowouts and a uh, tight one point affair, and it was a lot of fun. Dan Hansis, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, heroes. Greg, uh, a lot of stuff went on this weekend. Some of it surprising, some of it not. Uh, but the the road to the Lombardi starts to clear ever so gently. I know it feels very strange that as as we talk, there's 10 teams left that can win the Super Bowl. But we're coming off a high seeing the, the team of uh, ATL from a year ago win that game. And that game to me, it didn't save the weekend because I don't think the weekend needed saving. But we needed a game like that that was tight. And there's game management decisions to talk about because the other two were, were Sessler specials where there were blowouts. But to me. At least a couple of them were entertaining blowouts, and one of them blew your mind blowout. So it had a little bit a of a blow your mind blowout. Yeah. And I, I mean, that creates very juicy storylines. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the wreckage, and there, are, there have been some floating trash bag operations this weekend, and there will be consequences. <laughs> oh, that is certainly true. In fact, Mark, Mark's going to take them out back. <laughs> in fact, let us um, get going here, and we're going to start with. Uh, I was going to say the blow, the blowout no one saw coming. There were a couple of those this weekend, but the one that went down uh, in Texas today, uh, I, there will be uh, there will be reverberations. I think so. There will be tremors. There mm. will be earthquakes. There will be dams breaking. There will be people swallowed by swarms of locusts. 
That's that type of loss for the Cowboys. Uh, But on the flip side, the Packers made an announcement that the glory train will continue to ride unabated to Jarrow World. First and 10 football at the 38 of Dallas. Play action, a bootleg, left half bootleg. Oh, throw, throw, oh no. Wide open. Down the right side. Musgrave. Enzo. Touchdown. Touchdown. Luke Musgrave. And a dagger. A dagger right through the heart of the Cowboys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ooh. Bongos are nice. This is fancy when we get this is the official big funk theme song the randy chavez behind the glass die hard packers fan you know there's another dude seems like a nice guy that we we watch these games in the theater here who's a packers fan and he came in up the steps during the late game and everybody gave him a little round of applause because he's a die hard packer fan and like oh did you start wearing that packer shirt and he's like no man i lived through two and six I was like, you lived through two and six. What? Oh, it must be so hard to be a Packers fan. <laughs> Try to walk a mile in Lee's shoes, baby. All right. That's not the point. The point is the Packers. It's not the point. <laughs> the Packers absolutely roll the green, the Dallas Cowboys 48 to 32. And do not, do not look at that final score as a proper indicator of what happened in this game. Uh, because Green Bay's offense from the initial possession, Greg Rosenthal, absolutely wiped the floor with Dan Quinn's defense and the Cowboys offense conversely had no no way to match what was going on on the other side of the field I get that there will be a lot of Dak talking and there should be and we'll, we'll get to that too but it wouldn't have mattered when you score six offensive touchdowns in your first seven drives when you say we're not kicking the ball off we're not we're not deferring to the mm-hmm. second half. We're taking the ball, mm-hmm. and even when we can't run the ball the first couple plays of the game, we're going to keep running the ball until it works, and we're going to eat up seven and a half minutes of clock and score a touchdown on that very first drive, and we're going to keep piling it up. And then when we come out of halftime, when you think you have a chance because you just scored a touchdown, to make it a little closer at halftime, that to me was the moment of the game. They ran right through them coming out of halftime. Then Stefan Gilmore tries to cut her out and ends up giving up a big play. And it was just a Dallas defense that all day was trying to do too much, but also they were soft. Like they were soft and they were small. No team plays more dime defense in terms of light personnel uh, when other teams have two tight ends on the field than Dallas. And they did it all day today. And when it mattered, Green Bay just lined up and they said, Michael Parsons, you're not going to get near Jordan Love. And you're not going to get near Aaron Jones in the second half. They made this Cowboys team look soft as hell. And they put up a 40-burger before the fourth quarter started. I can't believe it. Not a single sack for the Dallas defense. I think a big narrative was like, can Micah Parsons make life incredibly tough for Jordan Love? I I mean, I just saw wide open wide receivers over and over. I mean, Romeo Dobbs 100 yards before halftime. Where was Parsons? He had like one pressure the whole game. I mean, also he got he got dinged up later on. But like what what we came to know and like respect about Dallas's defense completely vanished today. And what we thought Jordan Love could be, he tripled and quadrupled it today. I mean, it's like where how far can they go? I don't know if they play like this, they can take anyone on. And even Aaron Jones, who had, I think, 30 yards in the first half, but you could tell he was running well. And that has been a weakness of this Dallas defense, right? Able to just run right up the gut. 
And I thought he, down the stretch, was such a huge difference maker for the Packers and really humbled Dallas. I mean, I thought they were, they were, they come out of this with like, as you said, Dan, tremors, earthquakes, problems, huge questions. And we haven't even talked about Dak Prescott, but two, two picks in the first half (laughs) and the whole thing fell apart. We're up to two Dak Prescott teases. We're getting there. Um, Yeah. Aaron Aaron Jones goes over a hundred yards with three touchdowns uh, and Jordan Love threw, threw for three touchdowns. Um, with, I think, a perfect passer rating. Uh, you had the Darnell Savage pick six for 64 yards. This was a game that was 27 nothing uh, uh, going into halftime before the Cowboys got on the board on the last play of the second quarter. Uh, it, abloo- it ballooned up to, what was it at its highest point in the third quarter? I mean, this this game was an absolute 48 to laffer. 16 at the beginning of the Four, fourth quarter. There you go. When and Jordan Love hit that little side pocket gorgeous. shot, just absolutely ridiculous into a, into a pinhole. I'll tell you what, a big, a big picture narrative this weekend is that elite defenses, quote unquote, are a myth mm. uh, because between what we saw from the Browns on Saturday and the Cowboys on Sunday, all the talk about these defenses to get shredded the way they did. And with Jordan Love, um, he is, my goodness. I mean, what he has been able to do in these last uh, two and a half months now, it, it really does evoke memories of the rise of Rodgers. And if you're old mm. enough, the rise of, Favre, and I thought it was so interesting that on that first drive that you referenced, Greg, which set the tone, obviously, for the whole afternoon, taking up half the first quarter and scoring a touchdown after electing to take the ball when you win the coin toss, you knew just by his body language, when he was moving in the pocket, that he was going to be a nightmare. And I I talked about that on Thursday, that even though I picked the Cowboys, we all picked the Cowboys, um, this just felt like such a bad matchup for the Cowboys because the Packers seemed so light on their feet and conversely, I thought the Cowboys just seemed so tight as a drum. And I thought that uh, what you heard from the Fox team of Burkhart and Olsen, and they keep on repeating this and pushing this narrative, like what's wrong with Dak and C.D. Lamb today? Like there's something weird going on. What was weird was the Dallas Cowboys getting swallowed up by their own myth once again <laughs> and, and playing tight as a drum and the Packers doing the opposite. It was crazy. Right. Love on that first throw to Dobbs, which I think was for about 22 yards, uh, where it was a second and 13 on that first drive, and he's backpedaling, and he's about to get crunched by Odigizua, and he just makes it look so easy. And there were about six or seven throws like that in this game that just reminded me, when you go through this season and you think of the best performances by a quarterback in any game all season, Jordan Love is on the list for a lot of them. Yep. The game he had in primetime against Kansas City a couple weeks ago. Maybe maybe not as many people watched it, but it was Sunday night again against Minnesota. The win that they had against the Lions. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I, I don't think enough people have, have watched him um, enough to realize that, but it just it's just true. There isn't a quarterback playing better in terms of decision-making, and LaFleur is setting him up, and Dallas tried to go against type, and they talked about this on the broadcast too, and play a lot more zone than, than what they like to do with man, but it, it didn't make a difference. Like, Dobbs was talented enough to go six for 151 in one, but you always had a feeling like Love would find someone else if he needed to. This was a day like Jaden Reed didn't even have a catch this game. They have so many They're young deep. guys coming out of their uh, wazoo here. Uh, but he always is making good decisions on top of like being just so physically. Yeah, he only had five incompletions. There was an incredible second half catch by Romeo Dobbs on a precise broken play 
throw by Jordan Love. It's like he just was dialed in from wire to wire. Here is LaFleur, the aforementioned LaFleur, who had a wonderful game himself on Jordan Love. Uh, Jordan Love, wow. That was, that's about all I can say, Pete, is wow. And Mark, he has, he's got another quarterback. And, yep. And dating back to 1992 to present, and now for the, in the beyond now, the Packers feel set up with a potential, not just a star, this guy's playing like a superstar. And what makes the Packers fascinating is that he's not alone. It's just not him. Uh, this is a team that's coming together. Even the defense showed up in this game. Uh, never mind the lipstick on the pig in the fourth quarter by Dallas's offense. Right. Like the much maligned Joe Barry defense, which caused um, multiple turnovers in the first half. And, and the final score is not indicative. I thought they did a nice job on CeeDee Lamb. He was doubled. You saw him tripled at certain points. And like, I always thought that the key for Dallas to get off to a fast start was have CeeDee Lamb dominate this game. And he really was not a factor until garbage time and a bunch of junk happened late. Like these, the, the 32 points Dallas put up, most of it happened in a zero non-factor, like kind of late flurry. Like the, the Joe Barry defense, which looked good against Minnesota, it looked good against Chicago. I know those aren't premier offenses, but it did its, it did its job today and made made Dak Prescott and the and the crew very unsettled. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How much do you how and this is not to take away from Barry or what Green Bay did today, but how much can you say is the Packers and their scheme and their players and how much honestly, Greg, <laughs> do you have to like be honest and say the Cowboys choked in this game? Yes. They gagged and they played at a far lesser level than we saw for the entire season and you can't like that's going to be obviously be blown up and what everyone's talking about on Monday morning and beyond but sometimes a narrative is a narrative because it's true and the Cowboys seem to choke in January yes they after falling down early and then the first Dak interception which Dak, Dak said after the game he, he played poorly that he, he played a terrible said game, I sucked which is which is wild because he threw for 400 yards in the end and they had 37 eh. first sense but he knew that the important part of the game was the first half that was kind of a lazy route by Cooks and Alexander makes a nice break on the ball but at that point the Cowboys uh, had already punted and then they punt the following drive too they set up the the Packers for a, a short score there like one play later or a couple plays later Aaron Jones just running through their defense uh, for another score so Everyone choked, but CeeDee Lamb's dropping passes. Dak slant to CeeDee, which is usually so money. Off. Uh, they're, they're off. And uh, my guy, Jair Alexander, who you talked about on uh, the Dreamatorium yes. this week, even though he got hurt halfway through the game, uh, he comes up with the big interception, not the pick six, but the early interception. And he was out there. I know they didn't send him out for the coin toss. Oh, they should have. <laughs> but he was out there. He was suiting. Well, they're not in Charlotte. Uh, it, I mean, it was lit. For real, it was lit. Honestly, like, there's no better feeling. Like, there's a, there's a few quarterbacks who've thrown me multiple picks in my career, and Jack is <laughs> now one of them. So he's among my top QBs. I, I feel like Jair Alexander and my eldest son Jack would be like good buddies if they hung out. Um, so yeah, Dak is now on Jair's list, and Dak is going to. This is going to be one of those losses where it it, it will continue to stick to the ribs of everyone associated with the Dallas Cowboys. And you wonder if Mike McCarthy, the head coach, as an example, will even have a job after this. You wonder if Dan Quinn, who seemed to be a shoe in to get a job elsewhere, uh, the DC, the highest paid DC in the league after giving up a near 50 burger in this spot, does that cause teams like say the Seahawks to walk away? Here's Jera, um, who, you know, no shortage. And I tweeted this. I would pay seven ninety nine a month. If you can give me, 
a Jera box. Like it's just a shot, a one shot on Jera's luxury suite for the entirety of a playoff. Put that on Peacock. Put it on Peacock. I yeah, absolutely be worth it. And make sure if you're going to put it on Peacock, the, the picture is clear the whole time. Just, just something um, unsolicited advice. Here is Jerry immediately after the game uh, talking to the media about what's next and how, how this was a loss almost like no other for him. It seems like the, uh, the, the most uh, painful uh, because uh, we all had such great expectation and we had hope for this team and uh, uh, thought that we were aligned in a great shape, in great shape, and uh, uh, it didn't happen for us. And it's as fresh on me right now as it is on anybody else. But I don't, uh, I won't get into uh, any uh, of the uh, addressing of any aspects of it, any part of it. From uh, the coaching to the players to what's around the corner, uh, uh, on a personal basis, I'm I'm floored. And so, mm. I mean, the, it's the Dallas Cowboys. They're an experience exclusive to themselves in, in all of American sports, and it, and it feels like it's an annual meeting with Jerry Jones discussing the disappointment that ends it all in January. It's three years in a row, and as you know. As problematic as the past two exits for Dallas were, um, disorganized, discombobulated, final minute defeats under the watch of, of Mike McCarthy, I mean, this is a bigger disaster because, I, I, you know, how many times will we be fooled? I, I was even saying a couple days ago, this Cowboys team feels different to me. And the ending is completely not different. It's the same. And it's like because it's the Cowboys, because it's Dak Prescott, because it's Jerry Jones, I, I think that Mike McCarthy obviously um, is on a hotter seat than you could ever have imagined. I think he has no chance of coming no, back. I think Everyone's no being way professional it. about it because he's like a good coach and deserves respect. But the right. way they talked about all year that his future was going to be determined based on how this year finished. He, he this, said it. This no, was all that mattered, right? Yeah. This there, game. And I, and I, like I, you know, I brought it up as a hypothetical on Thursday's show that, you know, you have someone like Bill Belichick sitting out there. And I, I just wonder if you're Jerry Jones, who already has a wandering eye in the past for someone like Sean Payton, does everything turn and change in a way where someone like Belichick winds up with Dallas? We'll see, but Mike McCarthy's future couldn't I mean, be shaken. Listen, Jerry Jones is turning 82 this year, and this he just said it. Like, this is a loss that really hurts, and they were certain this team was different. We, were, we visited this team back in July. You could just see the optimism just pouring out from every corner of the facility there. So for this to have the same ending after the third straight 12 win season. Yeah. I don't know if, it, Greg, I don't know if it's going to be bill and I, I don't know, but I, I also think Jerry Jones at this point, he might come to a place where, yeah, not only do I have to get this guy out of here, I need to make a big splash because I'm running out of time. Quite frankly. Right. He said, he, he said he was stunned. I, I read Calvin Ward is one of uh, the best Cowboys reporters out there. And he said the people that have covered this team, at least for 10 plus years, didn't see this coming. Not at all. And I do think that is, there is something about them being Charlie Brown and Lucy pulling the football away. That's like, I think part of the reason they never see it coming is because they, they think that it couldn't be coming. It can always be coming. Like they, they sort of get in their own little cycle of like, we're believing the hype. It's like, of course you could get blown out by uh, a good young team that's coming. If you're not, on it, like nothing that happened about this season and how they set it up is going to make any difference when you get out there today. And when you fall down in the game, they kind of just showed who they were, which is in a spot. I think it's tough when you got the home crowd there. You feel that that tension. They are the first team in history, Dan. And it, it's so mm -hmm. weird with McCarthy. 
to win 12 straight games, to win 12 games in three straight years, but not make the uh, conference championship in that ground. So he's been incredibly uniquely successful. And then for it to happen against the Packers, who, you know, beat him in the Des Cotta game, beat him when in Dak's rookie year when they were the one seed and have now won 10 of 11 games against the Cowboys makes it like doubly painful. It's like, what do you do? This, this Packers team is going to be around for like, all these teams are going to be around for. A while. And I know the, the, the highly educated uh, membership of the football Gagnazente is going to say this is ridiculous, but I really do think, and the ghosts have become a thing around the Cowboys, and I think it it seeps in under the doors and in through the windows and down the chimney uh, at the star, and, and it's become this added layer of pressure now. Like when is th- when are things going to be different this year? And I think the team takes it takes it with them. I think I you really saw a team from the jump pressing in this game. And when they had the wrong opponent here, uh, the team that's on the opposite end of that spectrum, it was it was a recipe for disaster. Quite frankly, I'm mad at myself because I felt it coming, but picked the Cowboys was too safe. But I don't find this overly surprising in retrospect. Like the Cowboys were set up for the fall and they took one. I think oh, that zaddy. Oh, zaddy. That angst like starts with Jerry Jones because he speaks about the team and the experience of losing in a way that not other owners would would be as personally like open about the. I like that about Jerry. I like it too, but I mean, I think that that's where the weight begins. Right. But I, I do think it's a surprising loss in the sense that you know I I get absolutely home, surprised. Home and away splits may, maybe they don't they don't mean much, but like Dallas at home was its most dominant version of itself. I mean, it's like destroyed teams. And so for this to happen, it's completely atypical to anything else that we saw happening in Dallas to this Cowboys team. Let me rephrase it. It is surprising, but maybe we shouldn't have been surprised in like retrospect. Like, sure. Maybe the clues were there all along. Well, the the, clue, the number one clue is they're playing one of the best quarterbacks in the league who is playing, yes. playing free and could create in a way that Dak, who I, I'm always defending, but hasn't in a big spot. And, and I do feel like he held the ball a little too long. He wasn't seeing the field tonight. He's, he's gripping the ball a little too tight in the first half. And Love is out there making something out of nothing in a way that Dak just just wasn't. But, it, but man, I, I still go back to the defense. This is supposed to be a defensive team. Mm-hmm. Zach Tom, uh, who's led the league, by the way, doesn't get a lot of pub, uh, but according to Next Gen Stats and pressure percentage in terms of preventing pressure as a right tackle this year, they're really well coached. A young offensive line, for the most part, who played great, didn't give up a single pressure in nine pass rush snaps against Parsons. Uh, and Parsons, I think, only had one or two total, and he he got it elsewhere. So it was just like every everyone was in their head, and they lost. Dak's got like a contract situation, which is sneaky interesting. Not that I think he would go anywhere, but this is kind of the season where they have to give him a new contract because his cap figure is so so is it, so big. So everything I feel like is, is going to be on the table, and it's hard to sell Dan Quinn as the guy who would succeed Mike McCarthy and uh, Packers fans. We'll be talking about you all week. Oh yeah. You, you, you can celebrate. You can know you are. And, uh, Ooh, uh, the Cowboys weren't the only, uh, people having a rough Sunday, Uh, the Wessling brothers, or I should say, Nick, uh, continue their stumble. And guess what? They no longer occupy second place alone. Wow. That way they, they locked up the Cowboys and Mm. that did not work out. Isn't this the guy who used to get on me for, you know, 
taking like four or five point favorites here. He would get on me for not being bold. Here he is taking a seven. Desperate times. Seven and a half. And then he takes seven the and L. A half. And he takes See, nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it. They should have seen it coming because Jordan Love is a rising superstar. And we'll give him the last word before we go to our next game uh, because he got, he, you know, it, it's, it's noteworthy that Dak, a guy that's going to get MVP votes, was clearly outplayed in his own building by the kid in his first full season as a starter. Uh, this is how he, uh, I think it was the final kneel down. Uh, listen closely. You might find it familiar, Cowboys fans. For them to come into the house here in Dallas that no one's been able to win in almost two years. Here we go. Stop. Man, that's pretty impressive Ugh. for this Green Bay team. It wasn't quite a here we go, but it wasn't no. here we go. Packers. You don't like that, Mark. What? You don't like that. I don't have a problem with that. Oh, okay. Packers. Why do you think I would? I don't know. You kind of did. I was like, Meh. I think if you're going to mimic him, like let you oh, go put a little bit more I effort see, into sound. I think he, did, he threaded the needle there where he had fun with it, but he wasn't being like a dick to Dak right. personally. So I think that's what he probably didn't want to like mimic him. Um, imagine Jameis Winston had that opportunity. I know it's hard to imagine him a final kneel down to win a playoff game, but imagine he would have put it would have won an Oscar for. I it. think he would have pulled it off in a different way. Packers Niners is the Saturday game next year. Oh, that is a delicious divisional round game. Is giving me uh, flashbacks to Colin Kaepernick uh, back in the day against the Niners. I believe in this same round. Oh my! I don't need to tell you, football fans. Divisional round weekend is the best of the year, uh, but we're not through wild card round yet. Uh, let's go to the other game on Sunday. It was the only game that was decided uh, by less than a touchdown. This one just one point. Uh, it was going off at Ford Field on Sunday night. Here we go. Goff works out of the gun. Second down and nine. Two minutes to go. There's Goff back, looking, looking, throws. It is caught. Hubbard Ross St. Brown, first down. That's going to do it. That's going to do it. That's going to do it. Jared Goff delivers against his former team. Now all they have to do is take a knee three times, and this game will be over. <laughs> for the second time since 1957, for the first time since January 5th, 1992, yeah. these Detroit Lions are going to win a playoff game. Yeah. Dan Miller with the call. Yeah, of course, you bring the bongos. Oh, it's playoff season for Eric Roberts behind the glass, too. Dan Miller, the voice of the Lions, who's been through the bad times. Like the Lions fans, he was there. He was on the mic for 0-16. And all those Lions fans that waited three decades to see their team simply play a home game in the postseason, well, they got rewarded with a 24-23 win over a obviously extremely game Rams team that uh, came within a failed stop on third down there of getting the ball back with a chance to steal the game. So there you go. That ends a nine-game postseason losing streak for the Lions. Mark Sessler, that was the longest in NFL history. It dates back to January 92. And now they will get two home playoff games for the first time in franchise history hosting either Tampa or Philly in the divisional round next Sunday. What a joy it was to watch that game in that building. You had, like, Lions fans, and they, they cut to a, an 89-year-old Lions fan, a very famous yes. guy who's been going there for 60 years, that were literally just shedding tears. And I, I it, sometimes it's hard to gauge the sound in the stadium depending on how the mics are set up on some of these stations. And it's like, this place was on fire. Mm. And, and I, I found myself, I, I think the Rams have had an incredible season, and there's a, there's a valiant 
side to them, but I found myself just rooting for Detroit. And the way that they came out of this game with three straight 75-yard touchdown marches, I mean, Greg, I think we were all watching this together. Like, my takeaway is that both quarterbacks were absolutely pristine for so much of this. And at one point, I thought Matthew Stafford literally had the life knocked out of him. And then five minutes later, he's back in the game. But instead of one of them completely collapsing, I love how this game wound up because Jared Goff, against his old coach, completely got the job done. And the play that I'll remember is just outside of the two-minute warning. It's second to nine at the Detroit 32. The Lions need to get a first down to basically just salt the game away. And Dan Campbell, the, st- the stamp that Dan Campbell has put on this team from wire to wire is that he, l- he goes absolutely nuts through the air, 11-yard completion to Amon Ross St. Brown. It's like they don't just try to go conservative. They do what the Lions do. It paid off, and they executed the Rams in the final minute. That's how they won the game, Greg. That was a chance. A lot of teams run the ball, take it to the two-minute warning, punt it away, and then ask your defense to make the stop. But Campbell has shown all throughout his tenure he puts the faith in the guys that he trusts the most. It was such a fitting ending for last year's team of ATL. Team of ATL. I mean, this, this was what we loved about this team. And then they struggled a little bit and then they had it. It was right there. You're right in those final minutes because number one, it, it takes balls to throw the pass there. But number two, it takes intelligence to do it on the second down. Don't wait for the third down when they're possibly uh, knowing that you're going to have a higher likelihood to pass in that situation and they can run some games up front or they can send the blitz or whatever they're going to do. Trust a guy in Amonra St. Brown uh, to run a route that he said after the game, you know, they've been running this for, for years. This is kind of their bread and butter play. It's one-on-one. Like, trust Jared Goff, even though just you saw a couple little moments in the second half where you wondered, like, is this going to go sideways? Ultimately, they only scored three points on three possessions in the second half before that. Like a lot of Rams games this year, there were not many possessions here. They tend to give up a lot of long drives. They tend to have a lot of long drives, and that, that's what it was like. So every drive meant so much. And so you win it that way with smarts and balls, but same thing on the, on the drive before. Third and four, Aiden Hutchinson, the dude that to me rarely represents this turnaround in such a big way, beats Rob Havenstein, gets a holding call. It was the right call on third and four. The Rams are in field goal range. We'll never know if Brett Maher would have hit that kick. <laughs> what, what would it have been? I think it would have been about a, a 50 yard. Oh, I know. Okay. What was it? No, I know he wouldn't have hit no, the kick. You know, <laughs> you know that he wouldn't have hit it. Uh, it would have been a 51 yarder. Or they could have gone for it on fourth and four. And that's the reason I I think ultimately that Campbell said, no, we're going to accept the penalty. Because I I thought that that was actually a very bold decision to push them back to third and 14. Because I I think he's thinking either they can kick the field goal or they go for fourth and four. I'm going to go ahead and trust my defense to go make another play. And who wins again on the next play? The guy they took second overall, Aiden Hutchinson. And I know Rams fans will be complaining about that missed pass interference for a long time. And they did miss it. It was a bad missed call. It was a type of bad missed call, though, that happens. Right. And it Saints was, fans will tell Rams fans well, what to do right. about a missed call in the right. playoffs. It was kind of like a subtle play by Cam Sutton. I think where like, the, I, I'm not going to go crazy. They missed the call. But part of the reason that happened is because Kaminsky and Aiden Hutchinson both won quickly and forced a difficult situation. And so, like, that's big-time players, season on the line, stepping up in a big-time moment, Aiden Hutchinson. And you mentioned the sound inside Ford Field, and that was the first playoff game in the history of that building, which has not been around, you know, it's been around for a minute now. Um, L.A., 
they were down to one timeout in the second half of the fourth quarter. And two of those timeout, they're burning them in large part because of the crowd noise. And they're, they're just dealing with the, the elements as, as, as they are. And it's just like you could actually, and that's why one of the many reasons why playoff football is amazing. Like that, I think the fans and the atmosphere there absolutely played a role in the lines advancing in the playoffs. And this is a game that they are chanting Jared Goff's name um, an hour before the game. And, and this is showering Matthew Stafford, the, the prodigal son uh, with booze when he's on the field. And we have sound here from Dan Campbell um, on Jared Goff, who is one of the most interesting kind of journeys of any player of his generation as he goes to the next round of the playoffs after slaying the team that dumped him uh, as a salary dump to get a trade done to get the uh, Stafford to Los Angeles. Here is uh, Campbell on his quarterback. Just really proud of him, you know, and what he means to us and his play today. And, and I bring it back again. He's one of the reasons that we won this division, and he's another reason why we just won our first playoff game here in 30 years. So um, what a stud. I want more Campbell. Give me Campbell on the lines getting another home game. I know this. We were fighting for the two seed and we get to get another home game, and we got another home game. So <laughs> it's awesome. And we had to earn that, and we earned that with a win today. They sure did. And by the way, all the drama around uh, that two-point conversion that wiped out against the Cowboys, it's all gone because the Cowboys got their ass booted out of the postseason so the, the Lions now move up to the highest seed besides, obviously, the Niners, which means they get this second home game. And that feels that just feels just. And it's um, I, I'm, I think for our, for all of us, because that was a, a low moment. And, and it's like we don't want the officials being the, set, the, the center of all this. I just like the Jared Goff experience, because Brad Holmes, who obviously came from the, the belly of the Rams to become the general manager of the Lions, like showed incredible faith in Goff, like through a lot of ups and downs here and also is the architect of a team that is like littered with future stars and young players to see like a guy like Sam Laporta do what he's done all season. The way he came back from injury to do tonight, Goff opens 14 for 15, was nearly pristine in the first half. And it almost overshadows the fact that Matthew Stafford, and we were watching this together, like threw three or four of the most incredible passes you'll see. But Goff did too. Goff made very few mistakes. I go back to one incredible looping, arching throw to Amon Ron St. Brown with the team up 21 to 17. It's like Goff can do it. And he's grown a lot before our eyes. And I think he's become a different kind of person. And I, I, I think it's just a great NFL story to have the team put faith into him. He's not just a placeholder. And he came tonight and delivered and played one of his best performances of all time. I mean, he, he played great. And there is something about Dan Miller saying second time since 1957 that actually hits harder than first playoff win since 91. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this, that was like seven years before, like, the Civil Rights Act, 1957. Yeah. And it's only their second playoff victory. That is a- absolutely preposterous. And you're right. Sometimes you can win the game in the first half like that. And they won it by winning in the red zone. Even though they did not run the ball well tonight, I was impressed by the Rams' defense pretty much stuffing the Lions' run after the first drive or two. Uh, the Lions go 3-for-3 three three in the red zone. The Rams go 0-for-3 oh in the red zone. McVay got a little pass happy in the red zone, went away from the run. They were a good red zone team for most of the year, so it wasn't like a, a recurring problem. But they kept going to Cooper Cup. Cup had nine targets in this game. 
He had 27 yards. Puka Nakua had one more target, 10 targets, 181 yards, the most by a rookie in the history of the NFL in a playoff game and a touchdown. And here's next-gen stats, Greg. Yep. 59 receiving yards after contact, the fourth most in any game this season. He he it was a fifth-round pick that came into the league. I don't think you can argue this. This year was unquestionably a top-five receiver in the league, and it wasn't just like scheme got, gets him open or anything. You watched it tonight. He wasn't even that open half the time. He's just running over guys and making contested catches. And as great as Goff was, if I'm going to give Goff an A- minus for this game, maybe like a 92, it's like – I would give Stafford a hundred. He played incredible, and I and I do. Think, I mean, I think he went over three in the red zone, so you got to ding the quarterback a little bit there. But I, I guess, but I don't want to take away from because he did play incredibly well. Some of those, like the third and nineteen, early, uh, where he throws it across his body to keep that drive alive when they were down fourteen three. He just had so many throws that other quarterbacks couldn't make, and he was just getting. Absolutely brutalized. He finishes with 367 and two. They finished with almost 100 yards more than the Lions. They were moving the ball. They looked like they were going to win this game in the second half. The Lions had two straight drives uh, where they didn't Mm -hmm. do anything. And the Rams really were moving the ball. And that's, to me, why the McVay time management stuff hurts a little extra. McVay's obviously a great coach. But this was literally by the subject of my, like, uh, thing on Thursday <laughs> in the Dreamatorium is these coaches blowing timeouts to use delay of games. And we, we've been talking about it on this podcast for four or five years that McVeigh always is blowing these timeouts at the beginning. So it was that, and it was the slightly conservative field goal decisions where, at the time, I personally didn't have a problem with them, and they hit them all. For what it's worth, like, the, the, the ESPN analytics all had them as, like, slight go-for-its. Like, even though it was fourth and sixth, fourth and seven, that the way this game was turning out, like he ended up trusting uh, that they were going to get those points in the end. And if and they, they, they didn't get it, but the timeouts to me hurt. They finished more. one more drive and Mar somehow splits the right. uprights one more time. They win 26, 24 and it all makes sense. But yeah, it was the, when but you the, lose by a point that it, it looks much worse. But the Lions, for instance, did hit a fourth down in the red zone for a touchdown. That's, that's what a, they do. That's a seven right. point play. Well, I think that's the distinct different nature of these two coaches. And I, you kind of have to live with that with McVeigh. For all the positive, too. But, yeah, drives ending at the 6, the 9, and 11. Um, Pukunakua, one more thing about him. Where's Walker Rosenthal, by the way? I'm sure he's... Pukunakua rules! He's upset. The Rosenthal house is upset. The Rams are, are out of the playoffs. However, uh, it was a, a good year for the Rams. They're ahead of schedule. Puka, it's crazy watching this game because it's so how clear it is that Puka is their number one wide receiver. And it's Cup that's their number two after a couple of years of injury. Uh, and Sean McVay, a guy that almost walked away last year, came out of this season, even after a tough loss, uh, reflective and positive about where he's at. And, um, you know, the, the finality of it is still kind of, it, it doesn't totally resonate, um, but man, did I learn a lot and really appreciate this group. You know, they, uh, they helped me find my way again and, and how much I love this and love the people that I'm around. Mm. Um. I was texting with Jordan Rodrigue of the Rod- of the uh, Athletic of the Rodrigue. That's next of the Rodrigue. She's going to buy out the Athletic from the New York Times. Uh, just worrying or wondering when the the Rams special teams gaffe will come that will destroy their season. Um, it made me think of the Crispin Glover character from um, Hot Tub Time Machine when you know that he loses his arm and then the whole movie's like, when is the, when does it happen? When does he lose the arm? And you see all these near misses where he almost loses the arm and Brett Maher's kicks like, like the shadow going across the upright over and over again. 
maybe think about that. So at least it wasn't some heartbreaking defeat in that measure because I thought that's what was how the Rams. Well, they had that end. punt. I forget who the, the punt was Tramble. juggled. Tramble that was another almost. That's like when the Glover's character threw the chainsaw up in the air when he was doing the ice sculpture. Like there, there were so many moments uh, that the Rams uh, it almost happened. But this, this is really ultimately Mark about the Lions and a special day for them, and they, they, are, their journey continues. No, it would have been like uh, a letdown for them after all of this to not pull out this win. And I, I do think like for the critique of McVeigh, and I hear what you're saying, Greg. Like in general, like coaching is is better than ever. And like I, I the, the McVeigh journey in this too matters to me because that like, depends what team you're talking about. But go on. Well, no, I'm saying like if you're a Rams fan, like this season, you have I, one of the best coaches in the league. You do want to get you do, and like I think I think he's revived, and I think this this brought him like a some you know a whole new like breath of fresh air. And like this was a, a five months ago, we were talking about the fact that Matthew Stafford probably or likely could be traded before the deadline, and we got the best Matthew Stafford season. So the Rams like. I think there's a lot of hope ahead because of the way they're rebuilding their team too. I, I think that's true. And before we go, like, and maybe this is the the fan in me. I was definitely rooting for the Rams this going one, and now the Lions are the team I want to win the Super Bowl the most. But I, I do know we've been in this spot after playoff losses and said that so many different times. And I, and I think this one hurts for either team. It was such an opportunity. The Lions are either going to get the Eagles or the Bucks. The Rams would have played the Eagles or the Bucks. Matthew Stafford, to me, is playing at an MVP level. I, you know, Lamar will win it. I don't think in, I just don't think anyone's playing any better than Matthew Stafford. Aaron Donald is towards the end of his career. You have these things going right now. They had a really good opportunity to keep this thing going, maybe to the NFC Championship. Who knows if it ends there? And and you just don't know if you're going to have a healthy Stafford playing at that level at this point in the season again. You, you hope you hope so because to me, he he added a ton of entertainment this year. They were one of the most fun teams to watch. Oh, Greggy. This was a heat check. Oh, Greggy. uh, And uh, like Peyton Pritchard, when he just like pulls up from 30 after he's hit like four (laughs) straight threes. I did miss this one. You almost got it. In this year of years, Greggy, I bet you were thinking the whole time. Ah, it's going to come out Rosenthal in the end. I thought the Not Rams, this time. I really was convinced the Rams uh, were going to win this game uh, throughout. I was, I was surprised mm. how that thing ended. All right. And uh, lastly, before we take a break, two telecast notes. Loved Tarico, uh, And he lives in Ann Arbor. He's a Michigan guy. He was juiced for this game. I like seeing that. I like emotion and people like being real to them, true to themselves. He, he wasn't come out coming out right and saying it until Collins were teed him up at the end of the telecast that he's from the area. But uh, he had a line at the end. If you want to text a Lions fan, congrats on the playoff win, do it. It will be the first they've ever gotten. Texting wasn't around the last time the Lions won a playoff game. Ah. Got him. And uh, and the other telecast note would be uh, when they, they're showing uh, Detroit luminaries. It was like there was a shot. It was like Eminem, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, Big Sean. I was like, we don't, we don't need to give Big Sean any cry on. Just, we just. <laughs> Big Sean, a little too much pop for Big Sean. Greg, be fair. I mean, he doesn't land uh, with the same gravity I mean, like, as those other three. It's oh, like having a, a Mount Rushmore and then putting Gerald Ford as the fourth guy. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't need it. Big Sean taking strays in a big spot. <laughs> Gerald Ford too. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. 
like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Flacco in the gun, one back after most of its hunt. Flacco to throw. Flacco, it's picked off. Here we go to the left, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. That's the second one. Second pick six of the game. That's why they pay that guy. (laughs) Welcome to Houston, Joe Flacco. Oh, the Texans D pouring it on in the third quarter with two touchdowns. Sustog, do we have a new sentient Powerade flavor down in Houston? I think it's very possible. <laughs> Mark's face when he said, welcome to Houston, Joe Flacco. Yeah, I'm pouring some salt on the wound. I found it unnecessary from Andre Ware with his play-by-play man, Mark Vandermeer of KILT. But you get their excitement because the Houston Texans absolutely dismantled the Cleveland Browns 45-14. to uh, the Texans uh, route Cleveland, a game that started close, uh, started looking like it was going to be a shootout. And then, yes, mistakes by the Browns. Um, the back-to-back pick sixes ended the game. But, uh, Mark, as you know, um, and I'm sure it was not a pleasant watch as a Browns fan, it was the Cleveland defense having no answers for C.J. Stroud. Uh, that really was what this game was about. A complete disaster uh, for Cleveland. Um, and an incredibly promising turn of events for C.J. Stroud and the Texans, uh, who kind of feel like the AFC's Packers to me right now. Uh, 
I think Cleveland, like everything over the past month plus in the Joe Flacco, um, you know, segment of this season that you could hang your hat on uh, just didn't show up in this game. I mean, Flacco's turned the ball over a bunch, uh, but it, it not to this degree in the sense that it costs them so hard because when that first pick six occurred, the Browns were still in this. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't look good, but they were in it. And it, you know, you, you kind of thought like in the past Flacco has found a way productive production wise to get out of it. But in this game, like the Amari Cooper that fried the Texans a couple weeks ago, not happening this time. Miles Garrett uh, was taken, I thought, taken to town by Laramie Tunsil, who's one of the few tackles that's had success against Miles Garrett. Really, really kept him out of the game, almost from wire to wire. I, like, it, it, I don't know. Cleveland just fell apart. And if you're going to tell me in any of these games that your starting quarterback's going to go throw back-to-back pick, six, pick sixes like on the road, you're not going to win. And it's like... I, I don't know, Cleveland, Cleveland's defense at home has allowed the least amount of points per game. But quietly, this nugget that was sitting out there as a bit of an, a menace was that they've allowed the most points in the league on the road. And so there was some, it's a very yeah. strange breakdown, strange. but there was some concern going in about what, which version of the Browns defense would show up in this. And C.J. Stroud is the story of the game. He was, he was beautiful. 16 right. of 21, 274, three touchdowns, 13 yards per attempt, Greggy, uh, perfect passer rating. And uh, it could have even been crazier because he, he missed like a 60, 70 yard bomb uh, in the first half to, uh, who was that? Nico Collins. Otherwise it would have been even crazier. He was in complete command in this game. Right. The, the pick sixes will stick in our memories. And obviously they were, they were massive to happen back to back, especially that, that, that first one when it's only 10 points, but that point of the game, I was thinking, man, the Browns are lucky to be down only 10. Their defense no showed much like the Cowboys game. Like there will be like the quarterback for the Browns and the offense disappointed, no question. But I don't think that the defense gave the Browns a chance to win this game, no matter what. And that's the side that you were counting on Bobby Slowick got one over uh, on Jim Schwartz. There was misdirection. There was big plays. They even had that, that big Singletary run uh, early in the first half on a very creative play call. They were averaging 9.3 yards per play. They, they were averaging almost a first down every time they snapped the ball the first three what? quarters. What? What? <laughs> what? What? Come down, Greg. Uh, of this game, like, and, and you think back to, like, his very first throw of the game, Stroud, uh, actually, they had a dump off that first throw, but then the second throw of the game, they are getting right into Stroud's grill, and he gets it 21 yards, like layering it, leading Nico Collins into very tricky zone coverage, and he had four or five of those type of throws. The, the second pass, actually, of that drive that Schultz dropped, that was another missed opportunity. They actually had a, a first and goal from the two that they get nothing from. That was a missed opportunity. Like, I kept thinking, oh, they might get caught here because they're not taking advantage of us. He had, like, four or five of those really special C.J. Stroud throws, and he only had to throw the ball 21 times. He had the almost the exact same box score as, as Jordan Love, 16 for 21, three touchdowns, and just, like, five special throws that like makes you think, wow, this guy's already a top five or six quarterback in the NFL. I, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up, Mark. It, it's funny. It's like the Spider-Man meme, the Texans and the Packers mm-hmm. two 10 and seven teams that just knocked off a, a favorite. Uh, obviously there was a bigger upset in the NFC side of things, but the Browns are favored in this game and they, it's a team that's ahead of schedule with a first year quarterback and Houston's case, a straight up rookie, and it's like the team that you do not want to face now because they are, again, 
just like the Packers, there is no fear now because just making the playoffs was progress. So now that you've won a game, it's like a it's starting to be like a freight train. And Greg, you could tell me like what their playoff scenario looks like for next week. Uh, if, if you have it on you and your calculations within your brain, but like <laughs> I, it, 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 and from the love to Stroud comparison too, it's like these guys are young, young men that the entire team is, everything's being driven through them and they're, uh, potential for true greatness. It's it's pretty amazing to watch. I think also they're both well coached. And like, I, I'm glad you mentioned like Bobby Sloak because earlier on in the year, one thing that it was noted that he did was they, you know, their offensive line was banged up and he did a good job of like creating certain protections for Stroud. And, and like against Cleveland's pretty ferocious pass rush, like they moved the pocket a lot. They found a way to nullify that pass rush. He was getting the ball out really quick and they were aggressively striking downfield. I thought that one of the bigger surprises was Cleveland's defensive backs who have been awesome. Yeah. Um, completely, as you say, no showing in this game. I almost like, did they, were, were they overconfident and just came in thinking a little bit too much because they were fried early and they were fried through the entire contest? It, it was just like a couple missed assignments and then the Brevin Jordan play where, you know, Owusukor Moa, who was incredible otherwise, was like the best defensive player on the field for either team. I think he had four or five tackles for loss and was the one guy playing. But him and another defender, they both kind of flash at Jordan at the same time and run into each other. And Jordan ends up like running through for a 76-yard touchdown. That was the moment where I was like, oh, the Browns are really in trouble because you look at this final score and you kind of forget, oh, the Browns were leading in the second quarter, 14 to 10, they had answered both of uh, Houston's uh, scoring drives with touchdowns to take the lead. And then the Texans just go right back. And, and they also had their share of long I mean, drives too. I don't know what, what the heck would happen to the Browns well, defense other than you kind of can't trust defenses. I really, yes. I've always believed yes. that. And that was true of the Browns this year too. They would have a game here and there as historic as they were like offense wins in this league. And there's some days where you're just going to get fried. But almost like, all of that came at home. Think right. about every defense that has been hoisted up at some point this season. They have had games where they weren't just bad. They were atrocious. And I just wonder what that's all about. I wonder, I was thinking more like big picture. I was thinking about that. Does it have anything to do with the almost unprecedented loss of starting quarterbacks across the league this year? Did some of these defenses get artificially yes. inflated? And then, that's part of and then when the playoffs come, you know, certain things come home to roost. I just want to put it in perspective. 45-14 final, but on second and 16 for Cleveland with 702 to go in the third quarter, Flacco hits David Bell, who I feel like David Bell is targeted maybe 700 times in this game, uh, for a 16-yard, uh, for a first down. They are first and 10 at the Houston 34, uh, down by, at this point, what was it? They were 10, I think. 10, uh, set up to make it a one-score game again when the Flacco pick six happened. So the game really did swing on that. Uh, let's go to D'Amico Ryans talking about his uh, young quarterback that has changed Houston. CJ is the reason why we're in this position. He's special, special young man, special player, continues to shine no matter how big the moment is. Like our whole team is leaning on him and he has the shoulders to carry that weight and he shows up week after week. He continues to improve week after week. Uh, no moment is too big for him. And when you have a, a young player who can shoulder the load of your team and the way the team is behind him, the confidence that he gives our entire team. It's so cool to watch. And Mark, I want to also give the floor here to Joe Flacco 
because even though this game went poorly and, and the pick sixes will be remembered, uh, it was an incredible run uh, for Flacco, who really electrified and ignited that entire fan base uh, before the clock struck midnight. Here's Flacco on, on the end. This is why we love football. This is why we love mm-hmm. NFL playoffs. It's 14 really good football teams, and it's one game. And, you know, unfortunately for us, but just fortunately in just the general sense of everything, there's always a winner and a loser. And today, like I said, unfortunately for us, we were the loser. But that's what we love about this game. There's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. And, you know, you have to learn how to deal with it when you're not the guy. Mark, he's a free agent um, at the end of the year. And Deshaun Watson is obviously still the future of this franchise. So based on his play, you imagine he's going to search for somewhere where he can play next year, which means just like that, Flacco Brown seems like it's over. It's amazing how quickly just things change. It's uh, I mean, we have DeMar Hamlin sitting out there as the overt comeback player of the year. But I, I can't think of too many case studies where someone who's played a third of the season has an incredible case to be the comeback player of the year. The Browns aren't in this position without Joe Flacco doing what he did week after week. And really, I think I felt like I saw a different version of Joe Flacco, the person, came back from this exodus um, completely, I feel, at ease with himself. Uh, He brought leadership to a position in Cleveland that has not had strong leadership from the quarterback. They've had chaos that make the whole Deshaun Watson thing. It brought a nice feeling to Cleveland season. Um, I, I don't really, I, it ended the way it did. It's almost easier that it ended 45 to 14. There wasn't a lot of what ifs. The thing melted, but Joe Flacco was one of the better stories for the Browns I fans. I thought about that, Mark. Time. What if it was the other way around? What if it, the Brown 45, 14, and then he plays well next week? Like what, what would Cleveland have done? In some ways, it makes it more cut and dry. Uh, which doesn't necessarily mean good things for the Browns because who knows what Watson holds in the future with this organization. Right. But there's little question now where things go. And they had a fun run. I hate the, I personally don't like the sports talk show attitude of like, well, if you don't win a title, it's like, what was the point of it? It's like, the point is you're having fun along the way. That, that's what, that's what life is. They had some fun along the way. You're not going to get a, a title. One team gets a title. At, at it depends where an organization is. Like when you're, you keep on getting there and you can't get over. I the get hump, it, but you different. can at least in team like this is different though. Right. You, right. And, but even if you can enjoy, enjoy the process and enjoy the weeks, the, the wins that you get along the way, no matter what this team was, was a special team. Cause it had those wins like the 49ers win, and it had the defense at times was so special and Flacco. It, it's a, it's a thud uh, of an ending. And unfortunately, the opponent makes you think about the long term of it all. It's kind of crazy how little pop the Watson trade got in all this. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, you're beating us with like four or five draft picks uh, that we just sent to you, and you've got a rookie quarterback oh, yeah. on a rookie quarterback contract, and we've got the biggest albatross of a contract in NFL history. And oh, by the way, our draft pick just moved down about you know five spots. Because you beat us, and you have our draft pick this year. Mark's in the room, Greg. Calm down. Well, I'm just saying oh, from, right. a, from a team-building perspective. What are you, it, Andre Ware? It's kind of crazy. Uh, Houston legend, Andre Ware. You remember those run-and-shoot teams at University of Houston back in the day? And you've got a coach, because I think this matters, too. You've got a coach that beat Coach of the Year candidate Shane Steichen a year ago and Coach of the Year candidate Kevin, or a week ago, and Kevin Stefanski this week, two weeks yeah. in a row. And the, and the Steichen, that was a, a closely fought game this game really looks so great on uh, Ryan's resume 
because they were embarrassed by the same Browns team a couple of weeks ago. And he showed Ryan's all the adjustments that he made to take Amari Cooper out of the game, to limit Njoku, to make it a game where you saw um, Flacco repeatedly, like I said, uh, targeting the Browns fourth uh, wide receiver and the second tight end. And it was, just, it was kind of a masterclass all the way around from Houston in a big spot. Right. And Ryan's who I, I think has, if their defense had been a top five defense this year, he would have definitely won coach of the year. And I think, I think Stavansky's going to win it on, that should have been the coach of the year bowl. We, we should I know it's, it's kind of much should also vote on these things like during the playoffs or something. There is a case to be made to just vote on everything after the playoffs. It'd be a big disadvantage if, if you were on a team that threw no fault to your own, like didn't make it, it, you know, like a defensive player of the year or something like that. But I think there's something to be said. That wouldn't be crazy, but they mix things up a lot. Stingley had not traveled all year uh, with the opposing top receiver. He shadowed Cooper. Uh, and then I, I thought it really stood out. When Flacco just had a straight drop back, he had no chance. And the tackles finally caught up. Like, Grenard had that sack. Uh, Will Anderson had a ton of pressures. His pressure rate was through the roof uh, in this game. Derek Barnett had a big sack. He had a ton of pressures. I really thought that stood out. Like, it was a big play-action game where both teams could do play-action. But when Stroud dropped back to pass, he had the time that he needed. And Flacco really didn't. Both of those interceptions were on plays where he... He panicked a little, cause, but it was also because quick pressure was right in his face. Yeah, they didn't sack him in the first game. And I know that Case Keenum was the quarterback for Houston, so that was a whole different situation. But Flacco was protected well in that first game behind that same offensive line. I think you're right. The, all the injuries, because they were so banged up up front, it caught up to him big time. Texans get the Ravens next week, the early Saturday game, if the Bills come through and, and, and win on, uh, on Monday. It's pretty simple. If the Bills... It's like the, seven plus four. It, yeah. Seven. If yeah. the Bills lose to the Steelers as 10-point favorites, and what a ghastly mm. moment that would be. We don't need the Steelers. Uh, then we would get Texans-Chiefs, which would be a, a rematch of uh, the divisional round a few years ago. You know, the Texans, I believe, are the only team in, NF, in the NFL that have never been to a conference championship game. Hmm. Am I crazy? I think The Texans? Right. They are the only franchise to never they, win a road playoff game along. The only one to never appear yeah, that makes sense. in a conference championship game. So they have now reached uh, the, the furthest. They've well, they're reached. the patron state of West of Us, which we just celebrated. Yeah. Uh, one and done's all over the place with the, with the Bengals through the years. Um, all right. All right. So. So, so, so. We have one more game to hit. I had one more thing I wanted to share there, but now it's gone. It happens. I was so caught up in Greg's comments. It escaped your mind. Here's the thing. Okay, Sometimes well, yeah. it comes back, but we've already moved on to the next game. And that hurts, too. Which hurts. But I think we're, we've done this show a long time, Mark. I want to give Dan the grace to, if it comes back during the next game. It's back. We can have an official timeout or some, some sort of song. Yeah. And you give us that. It's point. already back. Oh, oh. Okay. All right. Well, it's back, baby. And the only disappointment better is. better be good, by the way. It's not. <laughs> it's not all I wanted to say was respectfully uh, because I love the divisional round so much. Pittsburgh Steelers are not invited to my divisional round. No. So we, we do not want any upsets. We want chalk for this uh, Monday game uh, to be played maybe in a blizzard. Maybe not. See, no, I think that was worth, worth it. it. I <laughs> think it was. I appreciate respectfully. Just like the disrespect. You can't come. You've issued your edict. All right, let's move on. It's time now for the Sunday drive presented by the first ever Toyota grand <laughs> 
Highlander. You know what? You want to hear something funny? My wife says to me, so my, my, my wife says to me, my wife says to me, oh, you know a car I kind of like? Uh, the Grand Highlander. And I say, I says to her, I've been talking about that damn car all year on the podcast. And she wouldn't know because she doesn't listen to the show. But I don't know. I could end up with a Highlander. You never know. Will she ever listen to this, this show? No. No, mine hasn't either. No. Um, That's Highlander. Fine, people. Johnny Highlander out there. I know you love the show. Dan just gave you like a free one minute pop. That's worth an actual. My wife Highlander. wants your let's, car. Let's get it. Can you give me the car? I'll drive the car. I'll talk about how much I like the car. Let's get to the game. Without further ado, a game played in some of the most miserably cold conditions in the history of professional football. Car. Clyde Edwards Hilarious in the game now at running back. They fake to him. Mahomes throws right side. Top Rice at the five. Angling right. Touchdown. Kansas City. Rookie Rushy Rice. His first postseason touchdown. Uh-oh. An 11-yard crossing pattern. And just like Germany, the Chiefs have an outstanding opening drive for a touchdown to start the game. <laughs> I thought... What are you talking about, like, historical yeah. Germany? I thought it was going to be, like, just it's like, like... Don't get Greg going. Greg. <laughs> we don't need to tee Greg up for some old H talk. We catch my drift. Just like Germany, an alliance will decide uh, the future of our company, and we will have to take away the military. We don't need it. <laughs> we didn't need it, and now we got it. So thank you to you. Mark just passed out. Uh, Mitch Holtis with the call. I'm just getting out of the way. (laughs) WTAF with the call. Oh, no. Are the Chiefs going to rope-a-dope us here? Uh, Rasheed Rice has a big, big game in his playoff debut. Eight catches for a buck 30 and a touchdown. Another score called back and a dumb penalty by the Chiefs. And uh, Kansas City easily takes care of business against a Dolphins team that, let's face it, come on now. Put them in those conditions. Of course, I locked it up. 26-7 final. And quite frankly, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but the Chiefs continued to have some struggles, boys, in the red zone where uh, they would get in close. And like I said, a penalty wiped out. One touchdown. You had a bad Travis Kelsey drop, which seems to be an every week thing now, which is weird. A couple of them. Uh, that uh, short-circuited another drive. So this is a game that could have easily been 35-7. to uh, But they still took care of business, and it was pretty... Uh, clean uh, bit of business from the Chiefs who are a battle-tested team that uh, did not seem like the cold bothered them. And I know we talked about it on Thursday, the Miami Dolphins. Well, the players weren't born in Miami and all that, but you know what? Miami. They're a team that practices in Miami. They're a team that plays their games in Miami. They have a a quarterback that's from Hawaii, for Christ's sake, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) And they played like a team that wanted nothing to do with Arrowhead on that particular night. Yep, I thought it was an incredible case study on that front because I, you know, I this matters. Like McDaniel's teams are 4 and 10 in games played in December and January over the last 2 years, 16 and 6 in others, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, you bring teams down to South Beach early on in the year and teams are not ready for in the reverse 100 plus degree temperatures. And you boat race them. You boat race them and they finished one in six against playoff teams this year, Ooh. and you're facing a quarterback, because I thought that was exactly true. The Chiefs looked comfortable in this climate, much more so. Mahomes is 21 and six in his career in games played in 40 degrees or colder. 
I, that matters. They're just, they, and, and I think you could lean on one thing. You knew their defense would show up at home, and they absolutely did. I think the Dolphins didn't convert a third down until some part of the fourth quarter. Like, so everything that you thought Miami could maybe do, they couldn't do. And then you have, you've been waiting for this guy that wants someone to step up as a wide receiver, and Rasheed Rice did it yesterday. And it's like, they, they like a team that had as more, more drops than any other team in the league coming into this game. Um, it looked more competent, and I'm willing to forgive a couple mistakes here and there because it was, like, butt cold. I know, I, I butt cold. thought, like, multiple things can be true here. The Dolphins could be not ill-prepared for this moment. This could be the worst game of the weekend. It, it was. And it can also be the Chiefs' best game of the season. And I don't even think it was a question. Like, th- there was a game against the Chargers that they played a pretty complete brand of ball and, and finished close, but even that was a one-score game. They, they boat raced the Bears in Week 3 when the Bears were just a mess in the second. Like, I'm not counting that. They completely dominated this game. Until that those last couple garbage-time drives, the yardage was 390 to 151. If it wasn't for that 53-yard touchdown mm-hmm. by Tyreek, which was a great individual play by Tyreek Hill on a, a throw that was a little underthrown, but a nice play call, they were just killing them. They had a nine-play drive to start the game, which was the best drive they maybe had since Germany, a 10-play drive, a 12-play drive, a 13-play drive, a 14-play drive. You don't think of the Chiefs as, like, a tough team, but they look like a tough team. They got a tough defense. We know that, but they look like a tough team on Saturday they, they were very prepared for this game. They ground this Dolphins team into dust. And you kind of don't think of Mahomes as like a tough quarterback, but man, is he tough. Like the, the throws that he could make in this weather and the runs that he could make were, were awesome. Andy Reid talked about it afterwards. Pat uh, had, a, had a nice day just right from the get-go. I mean, I don't think they were anticipating us throwing the ball quite as much as we did, but uh, we were able to come out and, and sling it. A lot of quarterbacks can't do that. Um, what he did in that kind of weather. Yeah, and you know, talked about that on Thursday too. That you have Mahomes and you have Kelsey, and it's like they're going to make some plays in these conditions. And then it was like, can the other team do that? And it's funny thing about Mahomes in general. Like he kind of walks funny, and he kind of talks funny, and he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't even. He doesn't even move very gracefully for one of the great athletes in the history of the sport. And yet, like, obviously his production and his career success, uh, team success, and and what you saw on Saturday night reminds you of, like, he's special and he's an all-time player. And they have a puncher's chance in the playoffs because of that. And if they would have continued to pour it on uh, after that Rice touchdown, I would have been, like, just, you know, shaking my fist as someone who also drafted Mahomes for a fantasy team in this very strange year for them. Are they going to go put up 45 on the Dolphins, they didn't do that. They showed a lot of their warts that have been an issue all season on offense. And you, but won- they had those sustained drives that I was talking about. So they to did. me, that was kind of important. They did get one more touchdown. We didn't see a lot of 10, 12, 13 play drives out of this Chiefs team for a long time. And they I had agree like with five you. of them. So that was pretty good. I agree in, with in, you. In I just, I can't because I've been down this road with this team this year, as as we all have, where you you kind of buy in on them again. I I thought the opponent was perfect for them, Mark. I could say it now. I, and you're a showman, and I respect you. I can't believe you locked up the Dolphins against me in this one. This I can't a, either. This, this was a, a, a Kansas City team that just was, I mean, you couldn't have put it on a platter for a Well, KC I did literally, literally for the, 
the confrontation in the in the. But I yeah, about <laughs> about four minutes into this game, I realized that was a, a done. The Dolphins. I mean, bowl. they could not wait. I, there was a drive. I think their penultimate drive where it actively seemed like they were trying to run out the clock. Like they 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 were a team that was ready to get on the bus, and and I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, what's what's next around the Dolphins after this game? Obviously, McDaniel loves Tua, and I don't think Tua's like gonna be. We're not gonna be talking about his job security in the near term, but they have to like start talking contract and do they want to make Tua one of the highest paid contracts in the league? He did lead the league in yardage passing, so he's he's gonna command a big contract. And I just wonder what the future holds to Miami because it does feel like this is a, a soft team and a front running team and a team that's not built. Uh, to play these types of games. Mm-hmm. Here is Mike McDaniel um, talking about a tough day at the office. Nobody on this team really um, harbored all the excuses. They kind of, um, whether all, all the different variables that people would talk about, injuries, weather, all that stuff. We came here to win. didn't happen. And it, it is fair to say, Greg, point out, not to make excuses because he's not making excuses, but they're missing so many key players on their defense. So in addition to the the conditions not being conducive to what they like to do, they were just missing so many playmakers that that, that factored in Kansas City's success the, as well. The defense often. of injuries especially gave them almost no chance in this game in, in retrospect. I think it was six defensive starters. And it was like, you know, their best, <laughs> so many of their best defensive. I mean, six, that's a lot. And their offensive line because they couldn't run the ball. But... Ultimately, I think they had one touchdown in their final 16 offensive possessions. So, like, that really wasn't where the... I know they weren't totally healthy on offense. Moster was coming back. Waddle was coming back. The offensive line all year. Like, it was a very injury-plagued team. But things were relatively stable on offense, and they totally flatlined. Tua had a sequence in the first half, and they showed another angle of this play. It was a second and one. I don't know if you remember it, where he just threw one of those. It was like a swing pass. Mm-hmm. Who was it to Moster? Is when it hit the helmet? And no, and it, and it hits the dirt. And that was going to be a forty-yard play. And he just oh, threw right. it in the dirt. And then the very next play, they get pressure on him, and he throws one of those Tua floaters where he like tries to throw it over the uh, defender that's in his face, and it ends up being an interception. And that they they made him hold the ball. And then there was the end of the sequence. I think that's what you're talking about. Them almost like running the play out. Like at the end of the game. He's throwing short on third and 10 and, and fourth and six. Running the play clock he, down to five, four, three. He, he threw for a six-yard loss on third and 10 in the late hurry-up situation, and then he threw short on fourth and 16, and it was just like, man, what are I don't. I'm doing? not piling on here, although Dolphins fans, you know I was right about your team in the end. Um, but is this a guy? Is this the guy? Well, I think if we're going to say it's, it's the fair guy. to wonder if Dak Prescott needs to be reevaluated in terms of like the moment that matters most Dak Prescott hasn't lived up to it. Now Tua didn't have a chance to play in the last year's playoff, but like this is someone that in big, big moments in the, in, in sort of like mirrors the entire dolphins has not shown up when it mattered the most late in the season. I mean, this team just ran out of gas. You lose 56 to 19 to Baltimore. You crumble against the bills a week ago and you no show in the playoffs. And it's like, if everything isn't perfect for Tua and the dolphins, there seem to be real issues. And I think that's gives and that's Mike not McDaniel, how the playoffs work. That's not how it works. You've got to go into adversity. I know they're banged up, but every team's banged up. He, he reminds me a little bit of like earlier career cousins. I think he's a, mm. he's well over. He's definitely ahead of the Dalton scale. He's in a top, he's a top 10 to 12 type of quarterback, maybe higher. That would be on the lower end, but things are going to have to be right around him. 
but like th- that's always the question with quarterbacks like that. I think Dak's even another little level above that, but I think that's where he is, that he's a good quarterback, but you're going to need to be tighter. Like they had four pre-snap penalties. I counted them up on third down and almost all of them were in short yarded situation. I mean, that's just like so sloppy. Uh, they couldn't really run the ball. The The chiefs were the better running team, which you, you wouldn't have expected. So like Mahomes, you look at this box score and it's like two for 41 running. That's a Mahomes running box score. If I ever saw one, he had mm-hmm. like two backbreaking runs in this game. So Tua was bad. He's going to need everything around him. I think to be like really good. And I think that's possible, but he's not going to carry you. Yeah. Big it's decision. Not possible though. Big decision. Over the, over the court, everything needs to be perfect around your not, quarterback. Not perfect, but I just mean like we. History seen, isn't kind to those type of quarterbacks when you're trying to win Lombardi. But everything kind of but has happened. been perfect around Tua for Laura until the injuries mounted. I mean, like the offense. No, this, is, this this defense and the injuries and everything in the way. I I hear what you're saying, but I'm I just don't saying know. we've seen some like mid level quarterbacks win Super Bowls or or higher than mid level. If but. He, he's probably not going to be like the top five guy year after year. And, and Dolphins fans have been trying to tell us that the Dolphins yeah. finished one and six against playoff teams this year with a minus 110 point differential. So yeah, a positive season in some ways, like the fact that Tua stayed healthy, played every game, including the playoffs was a great development. Uh, but there are big questions because they keep winning the Super Bowl in September, but that's not how it works in the big picture. And this Chiefs, I mean, this is unquestionably, we knew it all season, but seeing it in the playoffs is unquestionably the best Chiefs defense we've ever seen. So we we do have a Hall of Fame coach, uh, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and the best defense that they've ever had. It's why you got to say they got a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're in Buffalo, you're saying they don't have a chance against oh, Buffalo. They of course they do. do. They and if they're hosting Houston, they're the favorites in, in that game. Not like they're a lock or anything. Uh, but either way, they got a chance. Karloftis had a nice game. Like the whole defense showed up, played great. That was the Sunday drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Um, great girlfriend work too by Taylor. Going to the game. Being open air with the, the glass. It was crazy. In fact, we're going to do the Dreamatorium this week. By the way, that's, I think, three. That's the Hattrick Dreamatorium references. Do you not have NFL Plus? I know, I know the league's making you get Peacock and everything now. Uh, uh, but the NFL Plus gives you the Dreamatorium access on Thursday, which we're having fun every week talking Dreamatorium. And uh, I have, I'm gonna cook something up this what? What? Okay. Nothing, nothing. Go ahead. Um, I'm gonna cook something up this week uh, about just the conditions in Kansas City and how wild it was. So. Uh, but shout out to Taylor. People get mad when they even show her on TV, which is toxic. toxic she is masculinity. She emits like super loyal girlfriend vibes. Like and it. She's a growing football fan. And it's like the critique yes. is annoying to me. Right. They show her like, oh, what? You show the biggest star in the world who's dating one of the biggest stars in the game. Like, oh, five. Or How six dare times. you? Oh, calm down. Like that little picture with the with the snow beforehand. That was like from a movie. That was amazing. Uh, I was, the anger that I see on social media. Like, what do you expect? What Greg just said is true. It's literally the biggest star in the world with Travis Kelsey in a relationship. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's it's fine. Part of, like, how does television work? This is how it works. That, this is how culture works. It's it's part of the story of the Chiefs season, whether you like it or not. Stop being such a boring football head and wake up. There's a whole world in front of you. Okay, sometimes you get on me for you know yes. contrarian takes and whatnot. Sometimes. And I was laughing because I'm going to hit you with a big one here. Hit me. People need to calm down about Peacock. I mean, number one. You going company man is not surprising. It's not company man. This is how I really feel. Number one, like, everyone goes out to, like, bars to go watch these these games. It's like, how much you putting down 
What do you mean? One, everybody goes out to bars. I'm just saying, like, you go out, you watch games, you go out to the bars, you watch a game or whatever. Yes. How much is a beer? At, like, just one Are you trying to get beer? me in trouble right now? You no, want me to get into a debate that gets me fired. Okay, what I'm saying is, this like... This is Greg hosting the show. I'm saying, like, you don't even think twice about drinking, you know, putting down however much on, on a, to watch the games. So that, And you're putting down six bucks or whatever for Peacock. Now, it's like an NFL playoff game. It's incredibly entertaining. And then on the back end, it's like, it. oh, do I want to check out season 10 of Top Chef again? Oh, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Yeah, but maybe I want to go oh, check, I, out, I, check that I, out. I hear you. It's like, like at $6. Calm down. You, People pay you, $6 like, for a coffee. <laughs> There's really, lines out the door in Santa Monica to pay $6 for some latte. You're projecting your financial situation on everyone else. I think the thing is, like, if you're going to a bar, you're choosing to. Like sure. when they tell you, you, but you can choose not to watch it or okay. go to the bar if you don't want to watch like, just, it. If you oh, don't want to bar, people. So a lot of people don't want to go to the bar. And and by the way, you know, go to your friends. Yeah, make me. What if you don't have friends? What if you just want to sit home and watch the game? Uh, but maybe you're not great with a smart. TV. So you pay. So I would. I guess I would venture to say in that scenario, mm -hmm. six dollars is fine. Like, okay. calm down. Six dollars a month. And, no, but, but you just cancel it. You, also, it's don't not a, it's not a lifetime rate. Don't throw me directly to a uh, Ted the Talking Teddy Bear reboot <laughs> immediately after the game. I didn't ask for that. Right. Nobody asked for that. Uh, go check out the box office that Ted Two did. That uh, everybody Ted had a moment. It was weird. I was talking about it with my buddy Bob on text today. Like it's weird the whole Ted phenomenon. And then everybody was kind of like, all right, we're kind of done with Seth MacFarlane. Ted 2 came out, it's stiffed. He made a cowboy movie of some kind. Nobody wanted to see that. And then everyone moved on. And then all of a sudden, Ted shows up again. The talking teddy bear. Didn't ask for it. Don't want it. Like, don't, yeah. don't stick it in my TV. It's funny because when that popped on, Walker was you like, I want to wa watch that. I was like, I don't know. That's an R. That's a hard R. Uh, don't eat it. Holdovers available on Peacock. Great. Great movie. Everyone what is your stake? Like, what What's your financial stake you, in Peacock? <laughs> Just fighting this. I don't care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll give you the last word on that one, Mark. I, I'm very happy for Greg and his uh, over. <laughs> I just know, mean, I went and paid 20 I, bucks to go see holdovers. We've heard it. You know, it'd be I mean, who asked for Ted? Who asked for more Ted? Honestly. Not a human that I know. Uh, what, what was Mark Wahlberg like in 1993? Well, go read some stories about that. Now, if you want to say Jason Garrett. Yes. Popping out of nowhere after not announcing games all year. Maybe he had one or two. And he's suddenly in like one of the biggest games of the year. And he's saying to go for it on his on their own 35, by the way, down 12. Good job by Jason mm. Garrett. It's like you would have never done that as a coach. That was a big moment uh, for analytics in general, that Jason Garrett is saying go for a fourth down on your own 35. But maybe he's had a, a Mike McCarthy-esque epiphany during his time away from the game. I would like a little Perhaps. Deep, deeper bullpen there. Um, uh, okay, real quick, before we say goodbye. Uh, we didn't talk Steeler Bills, of course, because there is a nasty blizzard in Western New York. That game was pushed till Monday. Uh, and the governor. I mean, if you don't know that, what are you doing? Big pop for the governor, by the way. Uh, it's a woman, right? She's getting a yes. ton of. Kathy. Uh, yeah, she's Kathy's getting a ton, ton of um, publicity out of this. Uh, <laughs> she said today. <laughs> she said that Ted Hockley's wife, Kathy. <laughs> um, it won't be pushed back again. So that game happens tomorrow. Of course, also. Uh, the Bucks Eagles tomorrow, and we're going to have the recap tomorrow night. A couple other news notes. Uh, the Chargers are going to meet with Jim Harbaugh, according to ESPN, a report. And also the the, the, uh, uh, the Patriots, they quickly move and hire a new head coach. His name? Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo. And we're going to get into that into a little bit more detail 
uh, tomorrow night. So uh, that's what's happening in the news. And that's it. Anything else? Uh, Big Fun- What's Big Funk doing to celebrate? I'm curious. The Packers. You know the the guy, very nice guy in the in the theater. But when he says, "I lived through two and six, Mark, it used to annoy you so well, much. They were two and five, so I don't know where he thought they were the, two and six. The, you used to hate the idea that they got Rodgers right after Favre. You, that used to bother you so much, and now here we are, and this team is better with Jordan Love. Does this does this annoy no, you? No, I, I kind of felt going into this season that. It was an exhaustion with Aaron Rodgers that I that I'm will, experiencing. This will, is different. Will this bother you, Mark? If if we put it in this perspective, because I tweeted it, because it still bothers me. If we me. start talking about Peacock again, I'll start to get annoyed. Brett Favre, 1992 to 2007. Aaron Rodgers, 2008 to 2022. <laughs> Jordan Love, 2023 to 2038. Followed by a, a disastrous stay with the Jets. My entire existence. So you'll get one Super Bowl title, about eight divisional round and conference <laughs> championship funk. losses. And I'll take that. It'll be fun. A couple of MVPs. Big funk. Look, I, I know it's weird to say it because a lot of people big would funk. consider themselves lucky to have what the Packers have had, but we've had some really tough losses. So to be here okay. now, I feel I feel great. I feel good. One I'm second, so Randy. Up. Turn up this music. Let's just groove to this, and then I want you to come back in, Randy. Turn it up all the way on my headphones. Oh, big funk. Got another QB, Big Funk all the way till 2040. Big Funk, come back in, baby. Big What's funk. happening, guys? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I know you are, baby. Oh yeah, I'm feeling real. Congratulations, good. about. I'm happy for you. Thank Randy you. is a, a really good dude. So, and I haven't met too many jerk Packer fans. No, that's that. It's not their fault that they've had this fortune. They're not <laughs> an unlikable fan. No, and they're very. They know, they know ball. They know ball. They have a good group covering the team, I feel like, which which helps. They're 10-point underdogs, by the way, in San Francisco. So your house money. Give me all the points. No, I don't know. I want that. it. I, I love it. This game this game really was, like, we were just happy to be there. You know, I think going in humble, going in just zen, that's been my mood all week, just zen. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to watch the game I mean, played. If I'm the Niners, I'm, I'm thinking, right like, now. wait, how did we Hell get no. stuck having a deal with this. Jordan Love and the Packers next week? Early prediction, either the Packers or the Texans, and damn it, maybe both. Win next week. Ooh, I love that. I I would not. I've been saying for a long time. I think Texans two two playoff wins, and I think it's it's not even a, a remotely impossible concept mm. that they could challenge the Ravens. What if you're what? hoisted on your own petard there? You know. <laughs> well, that that there got, was there was something right. yeah, there's right, something but, cruel yeah, about the football you. gods. You getting behind one other team this year, the Texans, and then they dismantle. The Browns. What is up with the football gods? Why can't they just be cool? I never, I never liked the fact that Cleveland got Houston at all, <laughs> at all, and it came to, uh, it came to fruition. Those concerns. Uh, and the, and then the team of ATN Heat, maybe the Texans and Packers, the two teams that maybe should have been the team of ATN meet in the Super Bowl. That would be. It's all in play. We made a grave error with the with the team of ATN. So I, bl- I blame Tyler Goodson for dropping that fourth and one pass. All right, time to go. Great job behind the glass. Great job, listeners. Thank you to Sky Sports for having us on this week. We'll be back next week on Sky with Neil and the gang. And Dominican Sue, he goes by Sue when he introduces himself. He the call.
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Vosh at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.